What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Insurrection Inc. podcast. We want to thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Pseudo Intellectual Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Menace, along with my wonderful co host, uh, Jay, with Jay the Rothbardian, Peter. Hello. Porter and Monty, and today we have a special guest, like the little fat, not so special, like the fat uh, friend who tags along with everything but doesn't actually do anything with the group. Aiden, also known as the stateless capitalist. Hi, I, I don't actually ride the short bus. They're lying to you. No, you do. You do. I know the short bus. With I've you. seen you wear the seat. We I've know. We know. <laughs> we know you ride the short bus. I'm a guard on there. Remember? <laughs> oh, shit. Wait, Jay. In the second episode, didn't you say you wanted to abandon kids who rode the short bus? <laughs> yep. So get you said the hell out of my bus. On the side of the road. <laughs> I stuck it to your backpack. I didn't say they deserve it. I'm saying if they misbehave, they deserve it because their parents can make another one. <laughs> Another one, but it's well, even more disabled. Well, anyway, we have a good, good few topics lined up for today um, regarding a more serious topic about social norms, uh, and then two less serious ones. Uh, one about a Greenland conspiracy that we've dr- come up with that has statistical backing. But to start off, yes. Jay has a, a very important rant to get out. Uh, he has a beer in hand, ready to start Actually, shouting. I do. And he has pils- told us Pilsner what he's going to rant about. Yeah, yeah, I have no idea what this is, so I'm not liable for anything he says. Okay, no, no, no. This is a serious one. This is something that actually seriously annoys me about how people treat libertarians. And it's the fact that they treat us like we're all fucking corporatists, especially uh, ANCAPs. Because a lot of the time, yeah, we're forced to come to the defense of corporations because of the outlandish shit that people say about them. But it doesn't mean we actually like corporations better than any other business or in some cases like them at all. Like a lot of corporations do a lot of shady shit. And we'll do things like uh, backdoor deals with the government or, you know, front door deals with the government for regulatory capture and shit. But they'll also do a lot of backdoor shit like uh, Amazon going and developing a cloud system for the uh, for the Pentagon. Facebook helping get uh, people in Pakistan ar- arrested and beheaded for heresy. So they do a lot of bullshit that's fucking shady as shit. But then people never come in with legitimate critiques about them. They never come in and say any of the shit that actually matters. They just start bitching about like, oh, they have too much money. So we're forced to come in and defend them as the only people who understand fucking economics instead of having actual critiques for these people, like for the shit that Google does. Why does nobody ever fucking complain about Google collecting metadata and using that to give it to the fucking government? Google is helping China enforce the social credit score thing too. Yeah. They're also enforcing censorship. With China, mm-hmm. yeah. If somebody if somebody came out of the gates with a critique like that, we'd be all behind them. We have no problem criticizing these people for the shitty things they do, but we just get this shit like, "Oh, you you guys just love Jeff Bezos." Like, yeah, I want to rub his bald fucking head while I hurt myself off. I love him so actually, much. Actually, I, I do have something fuck. to say about Jeff Bezos. Trump What's actually up? took that those billions of dollars they were going to give to Amazon for the cloud thing off the budget, so Amazon's no longer doing that this year. <laughs> Thankful this year. So I'm going to yeah. rub Jeff Bezos' bald head while I jerk off. <laughs> you can use his bald head grease as lube. Yes. But no, it, oh. it, and the things they do, like the critiques I hear about Amazon, I have a fucking economics professor saying that they don't pay anything in income taxes and completely disregards everything else that the, the taxes they pay or the reason that they don't pay income taxes is not unusual for a corporation not to pay income taxes because what they do instead is they put all that money back into reinvesting into the company. So it's still going and ending up benefiting the consumer. I agree. Nobody should be paying an income tax. But it's not necessarily a bad thing that these companies pay an income tax. 
So they never critique any of the actual things that are no, wrong with these fucking Neo companies. Feudal and that annoys too. the shit out of me that we get this streak as like corporatists when that's the complete fucking opposite of what we advocate. It's yeah. either corporatists or teenagers. <laughs> it's, it's it's either corporatists or edgy teenagers. Well, if you exactly. go if you go to Instagram, the latter isn't that wrong. Yeah, it's people need to take accounting classes. That's all. Maybe take an accounting class, take an economics class. I mean, at least be educated on what happens. Not and now that just economics class believe that your the local high school provides, those <laughs> economics classes teach you nothing. Hell, I would yeah, can can ones are still enough. Can can but... confirm? I'm in one right now. So as an economics major, I can tell you yeah. straight up: don't. So don't go in economics for college either because all they're going to do is teach you how to be a good corporatist. Like, what the fuck is this? That economics is one of the only majors I can think about. I've been saying this so much recently. It's one of the only majors I can think about where all your professors are going to teach you to shit on the thing that you're studying. How many physics teachers tell you that, oh, yeah, you know, the rules of the laws of physics. Yeah, they're absolute, except when they're not. Yeah, they're like, not real. <laughs> they're not real much like Greenland but uh, no, in economics they'll tell you the shit like oh yeah you know under these conditions capitalism works but if uh, we don't have these miraculous conditions so capitalism there's is, so many good. externalities yeah, oh boy it, oh it's good but it's so flawed you know we need the government to come in and step in and regulate this shit like these fucking bureaucrats with random ass law degrees know jack shit about how an economy works it, it, it market failures <laughs> It annoys the no, shit out of externalities, no. <laughs> the externalities, the corporations. What about the corporations? What if there's a recession? Ignoring <laughs> the business cycle. And it, it's just like, yeah. what yeah. other major is going to teach you to hate what you're studying? I'm also an econ major, and uh, <laughs> Jay and Menace specifically wake up every Monday and Wednesday morning to see my rants in the group chat. Oh, it's chat. great. Yeah, it's, 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 it's great. You had a very good one today. Wait, they happen every This week. morning was, this was great. the first one I've seen. Oh, right. oh yeah, pretty much every Monday and Wednesday, because that's when I have my... Right, well, that's going to be a weekly routine thing that I post about now. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah because <laughs> I don't really have... Uh, like, I have macro, micro, macro, but those are just principles, because I'm a business major, so I don't got to deal with all of this stuff that you guys are dealing with. I just teach no, myself I'm in, online. It's pretty easy. I'm in the yeah, upper same. level. I'm in the upper level economics classes because I'm almost graduated. Thank fuck. Mm. And yeah, it just does, does not that, get better. For those who aren't going to be economics majors, there is a good YouTube channel uh, called Economics Explained that puts it in layman's terms and explains everything very well. That's what I've been using to learn economics. I highly recommend checking them out. Although the person who actually runs the channel is a Keynesian, but he he does have a very um, well-rounded view of all economic systems. So if oh. you want to get a good look at that. There's also it. always Mises.org, of course. Yeah, I was about to say that. I hate to sound like yeah, a stereotype, but no, Mises.org Mises really does Mises. teach you so much. And for yeah, free. Mises is a whole lot better. Yeah, for free. Too. <laughs> you yeah, can for, get all that yeah. shit for free, but you gotta pay like $300 for Das Kapital. Yeah, but some small brain people like me don't have the attention span to read academic essays about the economy and Austrian economics. So I gotta, even, gotta No, Mises Wire has pretty layman essays on there. Not even essays. Yeah, they, they have podcasts as well. They have the videos you can watch, like lectures. Those ones are pretty easy. I might be doing something and then I put on in a, a lecture. It's pretty interesting. But eventually, yeah, autoplay yeah. takes you to Fox News. The <laughs> Human Action Podcast and the on uh, economics for entrepreneurs podcast are both really good from Mises.org. Yeah. and Mises wire is really good i'm subscribed to their newsletter so i get it in my email really yeah, good articles like a few weeks ago there was one about like why primitivism would actually be a c catastrophe for people and it does a pretty Cringe. good job of Cringe. <laughs> it no does a pretty good way. job of playing like, the tragedy of the commons and like what happens without property rights and how 
humans in primitive societies actually were worse for their environments than we were in industrial societies. You guys like just how... are Ted-pilled. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're just, you're just not... No, what's going to make me Ted-pilled and make me go build a Ted-shack is dealing with idiots on Instagram all the time. That's what's going to make me <laughs> exactly. go build a Ted-shack. Yeah, minutes. <laughs> listen, man. listen man you just don't understand it's a lifestyle <laughs> no it's just bad I'd rather prefer transhumanist land it would be much better than Amprim land so trust me oh, but I don't know man I mean if you like a woman with a bush then Amprim land is for you <laughs> I personally don't but I mean the option is there yeah that's true very, very dystopian in both both ways. Uh, much like Greenland, actually. Is, uh, uh, very are we going to uh, Greenland yeah. for the first one? Uh, yeah, that was a Greenland is a communist <laughs> utopia. Greenland's not real. It is. It's not real because the government, they censor all the statistics. That's why you never get any stats from Greenland. It's clear that... Oh, there uh, it goes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's clear that there's uh, the Greenland government's after me. That's why I had to mute myself. They came in. Okay, but anyways, <laughs> it's clear that they censor statistics. They have a 70% income taxes. All the houses are color-coded based on classes. Like, it's crazy. It's a communist utopia. Wait, no, also, do you guys know that 70% of the landmass disappears most of the time? So not as big as it actually is on the map? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just not there. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. That's what we're saying. Like, there's two theories. It's in the void. It's either a communist dystopia that hides all of its information. That's why you can look at any map that has statistics on it, and there's always no data on Greenland. Much like there's no data on Somaliland or Somalia, which are failed states. It just or South Sudan. Sudan. South Sudan is another, another example. Hey! <laughs> I can tell you so much about Wisconsin. The oh yeah, buddy, you can tell me a whole lot about Wisconsin. Eh? Okay, look, look, look. Wyoming doesn't exist. That's the only state that doesn't exist is Wyoming. Oh, Wisconsin. Right. Let me tell you about okay. Wisconsin. Okay. All right, but anyway, Greenland, right? So back to <laughs> yeah, that. It's, it's either a dystopian communist like, hellhole that's like seventy percent income tax, because like Peter was saying, or just flat out doesn't exist like every single map has the size of it wrong so there's no we actually don't know what it truly looks like because it's they're made up nobody can have a general consensus of what the shape is so i i'm, I'm convinced that it just doesn't exist genuinely i make jokes about all the time that things just don't exist when they obviously do greenland on the other hand is a perfect example of something that may or may not actually exist the mercator projection is a communist cover-up <laughs> but so, have you ever have you ever been to greenland have you ever met anyone who's from yeah, there's like 15,000 people that supposedly live there. So, I mean, what do you even call people who live in Greenland? Greenlandians? That's, that's a, such a Danish. fake name. Communists. Commies. <laughs> non existent, void worshiping commies. That's what they are. <laughs> Wait, you said there was some statistical backing to this. Is there any more other than the tax rates that you mentioned? Oh, uh, the statistical backing was the fact that there's no data from there. Oh, okay. And so, so it's more of a lack of statistics. Yeah. But also, if you think about it, how big is Denmark as a country, you know, right? How big is Denmark? There's, there's a question that Denmark doesn't even exist. No, but Denmark's real. You know, my dad's been to Denmark. It's real. But Denmark Dude, is not a very big... Danish every time you try to make the TH sound. It's because my dad's Dutch. <laughs> uh, but, uh... <laughs> shut the fuck up. I will, get, <laughs> I will go to South Carolina and beat your ass. Fucking ultimate frisbee player looking ass. <laughs> You're gonna do throw yeah. frisbee at me? Look me in the eye when you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! 
No, but okay, so Denmark is not a very big country at all. So, and Denmark owns Greenland, supposedly. Now, Greenland is supposed to have this giant landmass. So you would think that maybe Denmark is trying to increase their landmass. You know, it's some sort of colonial endeavor. But Denmark can't colonize another country because they fucking suck. Even the Swedish are better than the Danish. So obviously, Denmark has an incentive to lie about the land they own. Yeah, especially, especially like Vinland, that oh. uh, supposed Viking colony that might have happened. It's just all legend and myth and fairy tale from the Viking times. Same well, there is now. a thing, though. Denmark and, and Canada, we have this little feud. There's this tiny island that every year Denmark invades, they put their flag, and then Canada invades it and puts their flag. Also, I did some research. The actual income tax in Greenland is 44%, just to correct myself. I don't want to put any misinformation out. Uh, apparently, the seventy percent. You're, you're putting misinformation out <laughs> by saying Greenland is real. Yeah, <laughs> all, all I'm hearing is that island that you're talking about. That doesn't sound like it's part of Greenland. It's just open no, ocean. No, no, either no, that. One Denmark and Canada keep wanting to fight. It's this tiny island. Yeah, that doesn't sound like. Greenland. But that's part of their so, charade. So what I'm hearing is it's either open ocean or it's literally just a void. I'm willing it's to just, either one. It's possible just it's a void. Empty. <laughs> well, this island, Denmark and Greenland, no, it's actually Denmark's secret alien base because the Denmarkians, like, they spawn out of Greenland and they invade that island. Denmark, they Denmark, they're just Danes. No, they're Denmark, I will call them Denmarkians. <laughs> Oh, we have some Danish people maybe listening. Are any of the four fans Danish? No, eighteen percent no. of our audience is Brazilian for some reason. <laughs> it's Davi, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's Davi and his entire family. <laughs> Every time I look at the numbers, there are only two countries that are like in mass listening to us, and that's the United States and Brazil. So Dom we have at least, the word out. It's awesome. no, we have at least like two other Brazilian listeners. Brazilian does have a growing. Oh, yeah, that is, true. that is true. But at the same time, I don't like how Portuguese sounds. I don't want them listening. <laughs> well, Anglo libertarian <laughs> liked my meme about the podcast a couple days ago, so I know he sees it. We got to get our UK viewership up. <laughs> hey, that's better than not. Yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell Google Brit to start uh to start plugging your podcast, even if he doesn't listen to it. <laughs> that. We're just going to uh, call out all the British people we know. Uh, <laughs> so that's like three. And yeah, like frame, Boogaloo, Brick, Brit, Agoraphobic Agorist, and uh, Agoraphobic Agorist. That's, that's it. These three people. That's, that's three. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's about... technically count. Oh, and then there's oh, yeah. You're, you're not British. Yeah, you're Canadian. Shut up. Yeah, I know, but I watched the, the podcast. So You should be annexed, honestly. For real, age eighteen twelve has never stopped. I'm anti-war except for invading Canada. Yeah, let yeah. me send that. Let me send that photo of the opening scene from a Fallout One, where two guys in power in uh, power armor are like shooting a Canadian in the head. <laughs> Based. Oh, that's Based. not very nice, eh? Okay, well, it's not very <laughs> nice to be saying that Greenland is real. Can you mute Stop yourself? Lying to <laughs> well, at least we have Greenland a picture is proof real. of this. Greenland is real. Well, Israel's not a legitimate state either, so you're just backing up our case more. Yeah. Well, I guess so, yeah. I can see Greenland is real. They don't exist. Exactly. No, Israel exists. It's just illegitimate. <laughs> no, it doesn't exist either. It's a void. Like Israel, Israel is illegitimate like the children I have in other countries. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
Oh, so you abandoned them too? No, no, no. I didn't abandon them. Okay. It's called wild dogging their mothers while they're here, and then <laughs> never talking to their mothers again. So I'm assuming that I might have some. Yeah, Jay has it for tourists. To... <laughs> his... Welcome his... to the Right Wing Degeneracy Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, would it really, would it really be right wing since he's doing it to uh, foreigners? I feel like that's kind of oh, more left wing. No, I don't know. The right wing loves bombing. Jay's yeah, if you bubbles. look at it, if you no, if you look at it like uh, the right wing in this country tends to be more imperialistic outwards, and the left wing is more oh, imperialistic gotcha. inwards. So you're more of just colonizing. Jay's carrying on the white man's burden. Yeah, he's colonizing <laughs> the foreign woman. That's how it works. It's a clergy plan. Come on. <laughs> Literally, a Jew doing it. <laughs> uh, oh look, life imitates art, dude. Life imitates art. Uh, Wait, so like are you like, saying are you saying that me having sex with tourists is art? Uh, yes. Well, if meme, if memes are of an art form, yes. Yeah. Everything yeah. is an art form if you squint hard enough. Me having sex with tourists is postmodern art. You just wouldn't understand it. Yeah, not cultured enough. Modern, but yeah. <laughs> nah, it's just regular postmodern. That's that's what I tell them when they see the camera in the corner. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> it was too many. It was too many episodes that I behaved. I have to go. This violates no terms of services. Listen, if the front page of YouTube has like drag queens teaching children how to put on makeup, I think this will fly. Yeah, but that's the agenda. You can say it's social media popular. This is the agenda. How is this not the agenda? Well, I mean, I guess it is, but like, it's just a matter of shaping social norms, which is a perfect unflawless segue. Wait, no, unflawless. Perfect. Unflawless has flaws. Well, now it's unflawless. Good segue. Double plus ungood. It's a good segue into like the more serious topic that I wanted to bring up, and I've been thinking about this topic for a hot minute. Um, it's and as these guys know, I have expressed multiple times about how I go on these like madman rants to myself. Like I'll pace around my room, like freaking out, like a, some Greek philosopher. I've just been there for my one. Hands around yeah, he's been there for one. <laughs> Jay's been there for one. And just waving my hands around, talking to myself out loud, ranting, or just trying to make either personal or legitimate breakthroughs in like my personal philosophic thought. And I've been thinking a lot more about social norms and the way they affect our society. Um, and I've come to the conclusion, which it should be obvious, but it took me like months to actually reach this point without reading anything else, uh, that people tend to follow social norms better than they follow laws. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which obviously is evident. For whatever reason, I couldn't come to that conclusion sooner because I'm an idiot. But no shit. Um, social norms and changing them, which wouldn't be too difficult, especially coming from a libertarian standpoint, since most people tend to agree with at least the cult or the more social, social. side of libertarianism. Um, it would be is the probably the root goal of both achieving liberty in like in, liber- in the libertarian sense and even agorism. If the social norm is to participate in a counter economics, even if it's not drugs, just anything that goes against uh, the state and count in the form of counter economics, like why buying black market toothpaste or something. <laughs> I just thought of something that I have to keep my mouth shut about. No, go ahead. No, no, no go no, ahead. That don't matter. Matter. Yeah, come on. No, is it that bad? Censor yourself. You know what it is. Say it. Say okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to censor this part. 
the P words. Oh my god, of course. <laughs> of course. No, I'm Come censoring on. this one. I'm censoring this one. Yeah, that's, that's okay. okay. You better. Yeah, oh please. <laughs> but no, I, I wanted to bring that up because it's 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 a very important topic that I don't think is really touched on. At least on Politogram, I'm sure some libertarian intellectuals actually um, talk about this stuff. But I just wanted to see like what your guys' opinion on that would be, and how well you might think that it would work in achieving uh, a more libertarian society. Well, yeah, I think that the the fact that that people follow social norms more than they follow laws is kind of reflective of the. Um, say um too much is reflective as the editor of... yes you do <laughs> <laughs> stop interrupting me and i'll say it less shut the um, fuck up <laughs> it's reflective of that saying that politics is downstream from culture like the the culture comes first and also if we can't change if we can change social norms then that implies that um oh, there it goes again, again. <laughs> <laughs> if we can change social norms that implies that we can change the political situation without actually having to engage in politics. If that, like, if that affects what people, uh, what laws people follow anyway, or what they, what they consider to be other people's rights, like what's inviolable and what's proper conduct, then I think the social norms have to come first. So, so I think Minnis is right about that. Yeah, and this is something that uh, you, Monty, and I discussed in Daggerism when I brought up, uh, right. we were talking about the de facto versus de jure nullification and like how changing the culture can even lead to the laws being changed to you know less restrictive laws or even abolition of certain laws and right like the the changing of the laws is a ratification after the fact of a change yeah. that's already happened in society yeah no as libertarians it's very important for us to be trying to influence the social norms and trying to influence the culture because the facts are that this country was founded on very very different cultural norms and very different societal norms like uh, yeah. Pete Quinones talks about this, talked about this in one of his episodes of Free Man Beyond the Wall, where back in the days of the colonists, the Redcoats basically had like no legal authority in the colonies because nobody regarded them as authority. You could tell a cop to fuck off back then when they tried to stop you and they couldn't do shit. Whereas now you tell a cop to fuck off, you might get shot and everybody's going to say they deserved it. Yeah. And this also ties into... Um to education as it mostly relies on just educating people about not necessarily the principles of liberty because that doesn't, that doesn't apply to everybody but basically how to make yourself more free because that does at least appeal to most people even if it's not mm -hmm. based on like pure libertarian principles or whatever people generally do want to have more freedom like greater degrees of freedom in their life and through education we can tell them how to do that and it's not just counter economics it's also sure. you know political but um monty and uh, emphasizes the importance of education a lot and what he talks about, like with us um, amongst ourselves. So, Monty, do you have anything to add? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's like, oh, so, yes, it's here. important. But <laughs> nope. I'll fill the void here. So, uh, an example of, you know, I think a good example is, um, especially with like traffic, um, the norms of traffic. Because, like, for, for example, a buddy of mine was driving me home. And this road was like a 55, it was like a highway, but uh, speed limit was 55. And we bended this corner and all of a sudden the entire traffic, like all traffic just went 70 immediately. It was the weirdest thing. 
Oh yeah, whenever uh, the passing lanes come up on the roads, everybody starts speeding up. Well, it's like, a one-lane road, one too. lane road, yeah. and then it changes to two lanes, and then everybody starts going like twenty above the speed limit. This is in kilometers, so that's not really a big deal. So, and it's like, what the hell? We were going seventy, now everyone's going ninety. This is in kilometers, so that's about. I like, mean, people do that in miles per hour 40. too. So I mean, mm. yeah, 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 yeah. We're just. I've seen cops going go forty faster. above me. Oh my god. <laughs> I've seen a cop. Oh, okay. So let me just go on a rant. I seen this a couple days ago. This oh, no. guy. So he goes on the wrong side of the road, and then he just stops his car by like a traffic light, like it's almost in the middle of the intersection on the wrong side of the road. And then all of a sudden he starts. He gets in his car, and then he uh, turns on his lights, and then he like turns around in the middle of road and he does a left turn he's literally in the wrong side of the road he's doing a left turn on a red light like what the hell is this guy doing i oh. once i once saw a cop do uh turn on his sirens to cross the double yellow just to get into a dunkin donuts parking lot and then he turned them off right <laughs> i know i'm telling the god honest truth i once saw a cop spin out in the rain around a turn one time Oof. He just whipped his car around. <laughs> oh god, I would love to see that. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sorry. Menace said uh, not all cops are bad. So, listen, man, they can go listen to that episode, episode two, I believe. <laughs> yeah, it. yeah, you can go hear my reasoning. <laughs> Security anyway, guards are better. Monty has uh, notified us that he did had he can say something about regarding social norms. <laughs> but um, so go ahead, Monty. Well, uh. I just, uh, I wasn't really paying attention, so. Because of your soft voice, we forgive you. I can pick it up from here if that's necessary. Um, well, I, I do think that I'll just agree. I might be rehashing what everyone said, but it is extremely important. Like, you do need a like-minded group of people. You need that <laughs> social cohesion. And social so would trust. you say we need a? Would you say we need a homogenous people? Uh, of ideas. Add on that, Monty. Yeah, more like political homogeny. But yes. Yeah. Uh, 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 maybe, maybe uh, maybe uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh Come on, say it out already. <laughs> no women. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> we'll, we'll consider them like foreigners and tourists, like Jay does. <laughs> Uh, and there goes our women <laughs> listeners the whole yep. one monty adding on to your so idea, monty's girlfriend yeah this is why i believe in like small countries smaller groups because like big nations like the united states it just doesn't work there's too many different ideas yeah. too many different people it creates all of this thing this is why i support like these smaller groups and countries like why ideally like when i was I supported like basically dividing the United States into like thousands of different small nations based on counties. And, like each county would uh, have like yeah, a talked about very direct democracy that would select their people. Did and you just say direct democracy? Better. I just want to point well, out that the Canadian is making plans for the United States government. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked That's about this decentralization <laughs> episode, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We did. Well, the so medicine. So I totally agree with that. I've said that for uh, a lot. I definitely don't support a New Yorker like the uh, debates are on right now. And, you know, just more Eastern, East Coast or West Coast people trying to make laws that affect me. 
Yeah, exactly. No, it's offsetting of they costs. They have totally so different like cultures. Ideal democracy yeah. wouldn't allow this offsetting of costs. Like, let's say somebody wants to import to, to 10,000 refugees to one area. Like, that shouldn't be allowed to happen unless it's to their own area and was uh, voted in by the people. Like, yeah, it's like, it shouldn't be. Like, somebody from the the New York is telling somebody from Wisconsin in it, you know, that Wisconsin's not real. Ten thousand Especially, we mentioned this the, on before the politician who flew over one of the western states and didn't know what the squares of land were, like they were from land. Yeah, they just have no connection to us. I'm gonna come out and say this squares? right now. Um, the only. Cap uh, the, the the only democracy anyone should ever support is capitalism. Based. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ludwig von Mises said yes. that. <laughs> I mean, he didn't say that directly, but he said something similar to that. Democratic capitalism. It's just capitalism. I don't know about that the one democratic the... part. That's kind of cringe. <laughs> yeah, Actually, you know, that could be a pretty good way of uh. Everyone has a right necessarily. Like you have to vote yeah. with your dollars and. Oh yeah. Not even, yeah, I don't have a right to it's vote. It's more merit-based, so yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Mass- well, considering we're talking about uh, democratic capitalism now, which is, <laughs> is a decent, <laughs> is a decent way to, uh, not a decent way, but a kind of a more contemporary way to call anarcho-capitalism. Actually, wait, no, no, menace, menace. Hold on, hold on. Before we continue, I would like to state on the record: Porter is not based. Hey, that's not that's not fair. <laughs> Porter is not, not based. You can't say that without any context. <laughs> Porter is not based. Jay, based is your subjective opinion. He might be no, based. No, no, no. I'm not getting into value myself as well. That's a topic for another episode. Jay, I'm gonna say the p word. Okay, don't say no, this. Where no, to God? No, no. Nobody's talking about. <laughs> Okay, anyway, back to what we were talking about. (laughs) I wanted to go over what social norms would need to be changed uh, for an anarcho-capitalist society to truly, or to work better. Maybe not work perfectly, but definitely work better. And of course, then after that, I'll give some examples of social norms actually changing our society today and throughout history. And I'm getting most of what I'm talking about and most of the ideas I'm working off of from a website or from an article on Stanford News, believe it or not. We'll put a link in the description. One of the things they point out is uh, changing the social norm about around whistleblowing, not only public and like political whistleblowing, but also private whistleblowing. Because of course, in an anarcho-capitalist society, there wouldn't be a state to regulate economies and stuff like that. So things could be done. The likelihood of these things, like uh, having horrible working conditions or poisoning the water supply, just for the heck of it, it likely wouldn't happen because there's no economic incentive to for companies to do that. But in the off chance that something does happen, a form of like private whistleblowing would need to be encouraged in order to make these things are kept in check because it is possible that these things are covered up by these corporations or companies or whatever. Uh, so that's definitely one of the things, the stigma behind whistleblowing is that it's, um, well, looked down upon by most of society. Of course, we'll have uh, people like us on here praising Julian Assange, Chelsea Manning, and people like them all the time. But a lot of people don't see it that way because, of course, they're so subservient to the state that they see anything, any attack against it as wrong. Yeah, um, I mean, um, a buddy of mine absolutely hates like, Edward Snowden, mm-hmm. you know, and like I even asked him why. He's just like, look at his smug little face. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> you He's know, a man that is harmed. He I'm is broken. <laughs> He's trapped in Russia. He's in like one of the worst places to be. Yeah. 
Like, of course he's going to look awful. I feel bad for the guy. Meanwhile, but, uh, Assange is like on his deathbed still. He's yeah, still yeah, like, yeah. really sick. Yeah, and being... Chelsea Manning's still locked up, isn't she? Yeah, yeah because she refused yeah. to testify. Yeah, she refused to testify against Assange. Okay, but do we do we care about her? Okay, that's, that's, censored. Censored. <laughs> that's getting censored. <laughs> um, but back to topic and changing social norms. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Monty, um, this this article points out some different ways that social norms are changed. Um, of course, it happens. Sometimes it happens naturally. Like for example, the ideas behind gay marriage and now more recently uh, more prevalently over time marijuana legalization and these things are changing of course more and more people accept it as okay then of course then it becomes legalized or rather decriminalized at least but these things that happen happen in the states have already legalized it and such so those ways happen naturally of course the state also has its ways of changing social norms through gradual implication of laws and regulations to the point where people just see it as normal like there's so many people that see the war on drugs as just normal because they were born into the world that has that. So of course they have they see it that way. And of course the same way it can be said about like quote unquote brainwashing people through public education, uh, which technically it is brainwashing, but it's not in the same way like you control every single thought that they have. It's more just you change the way they think about things. They you change their perception based on the social norms they're exposed to. It's it's a subtle thing. The textbooks are the like the worst things it ever. Is. Exactly. They change it every year. They change it just a little bit every year to send it the gradual implication of laws to change social norms. They change these textbooks just a little bit every year. So it's unnoticeable, but over time it has major lasting effects as we, as we've seen, obviously. And of course the final way this article and also that I've come to the conclusion of on my own states that social norms can be changed, like being spearheaded by major, by major like big influential figures, like celebrities. Like Mike Bloomberg. Like Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Right, uh, fuck him. He's the only Democrat. <laughs> he's the only Democrat, bro. The only Democrat. Um, he will but, get it done as well. <laughs> yeah, he will change these social norms. But other people like Martin Luther King and Gandhi, and um, those are the ones the article mentions, but I can't really think of any more off the top of my head. If you have any more, please let me know. The founding fathers. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Not that influential if you really think about it, though. Thomas um, Paine was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but stuff like that, are like leaders like those spearhead different things to change social norms in order to, and then in turn to change the, le the legal terms as well. And of course, other examples of this have, have more of an agorist example of this of laws just being ignored in, fa in favor of having social norms be stronger. In France in 1626, dueling was outlawed. Really? But dueling didn't stop until 1715. Based. Because it was just part of the culture, it was part of the so it was a social norm, and people who, even though they knew that they were uh, obliged by or obligated by law to stop duels when they happened, nobody did it because it was a social norm. Until King Louis the Fourteenth, <laughs> he didn't, it didn't until he died, and in 1715, and I guess they cracked down on it more. Basically, just maybe just uh, went out of style, I guess. Unfortunately, probably yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kind of when is trial by combat going back? I want to see that come back. Like well, I kind was, of, I we're mean, talking about a perfect business idea, right? <laughs> private prisons, <laughs> instead of having private prisons and use them as like sla like probably slave labor, like just get the ones that are on death row, legitimately, like they deserve to be on death row, 
and just have them fight in a gladiator ring and have people get paid to watch. <laughs> the winner, what do you do with the winner? So much money. The winner, like, I, I, they just get to live. They get prizes or something. I just, he gets the presidential pardon. No, no, they get Teddy Bear Porteous put yeah. to death. <laughs> no, I mean, like if like they wouldn't be like executed at some point. They'd just be, continue to fight until they die. It's just what it would work. They'd be entertainers. <laughs> And yes. of course, they get fed well if they win, if they get prizes, get a nicer dwelling or something. I don't know. That's what I thought. I was like, I think it would be a pretty cool idea. I popped it up to my economics teacher in high school, and he thought it was a pretty funny idea. Um, <laughs> didn't publicly support it, but I feel like the deep down inside, he supports it. <laughs> um, another thing that I think, another social norm that was prevalent in a country, particularly Greece in 2011, was tax evasion, where 30% of the population that paid taxes also evaded taxes at the same time <laughs> because it was just a social norm sounds pretty greek yeah in greece um but of course that's compared to the seven percent of people committing tax evasion in the uk where it's not the same social norm so of course if we could change the social norm for everyone to commit tax evasion and tax fraud that'd be pretty based and probably wouldn't be hard to do we just got to convince people that they can't stop all of us yeah those yeah. are rookie numbers we gotta get those numbers up exactly that's what i'm mm. saying that's what i'm get saying up to like 25 percent tax evasion percent, bro, bro, bro. The the state would collapse after enough people just stop. The state would collapse if five percent of people in the USA stop paying their income tax. Yeah, Look, uh, maybe like ten percent. No, the numbers are five percent. If five percent of the people who are currently paying their FICA stop paying, then the like, or you know, obviously like five percent already doesn't pay or something like that. But five percent more stop paying, then the system would collapse. Or maybe it would start collapsing. I'm, I'm not that optimistic. They, they could just tax this by printing more money. Because, like, think of it. Printing more money is the way they tax you. Even if you don't pay your taxes, you're still taxed by the inflation rate they create. Because the money you have is being devalued. So unless it's constantly being loaned out and, like, brought back with interest higher than inflation, they're still able to tax you. It's just kind of how China debases its currencies in order to keep its products cheap for American yeah. consumers. They just kind of tax their people more to mm-hmm. technically kind of subsidize their products to make them cheaper. It's like a weird way of doing it, but they do yeah, it. I think I think Erwin Schiff put the number at seventy five percent. If we got if we got tax compliance down to seventy five percent, the federal government would basically cease to exist. Yeah, that's what is thinking twenty five percent or would already start collapsing. I think that's an achievable goal. But that was that was the whole federal government. I think Jay's talking about FICA specifically, which would be like the um, federal income tax, the Social Security and Medicare, that kind yeah. of system. The things we already have um, unfunded liabilities for, it would be impossible to cover those um, pretty much immediately if just five percent more people stop paying them. Yeah, yeah, you're right about yeah, that. Yeah, so we spend over a trillion a year on welfare spending. <laughs> That's insane. It's like one point uh, two, one point three trillion. I'm pull it up right now, actually. Back to the social norms changing on kind of a, a smaller scale but broader scope. One of my biggest intellectual influences was uh, Community Technology by Carl Hess. It's a like a hundred page book, it's pretty short and very difficult to find. I looked for it for like several months before I actually found it and uh, read it over this past summer. And um, he talks about how. In this neighborhood in, in the outskirts of Washington, D.C., they basically formed a self-sufficient community for um, a little under 10 years, like 5 to 10 years. And it eventually failed, but 
he offers some good lessons of like why it worked for a while and why it eventually failed. And uh, what made it work for a while was a tight knit community that uh, just made it unnecessary to rely on state services for a while. They didn't have any formal police officers patrolling the neighborhood. They didn't have any uh, formal influence from the city government at all. They just kind of banded together. Um, not in like a, a anarcho-communist setting. It was very much market-based, and Hess talks about that in the book as well. But it was all about you know local production and trading with your neighbors, and, and just that's something that everyone can do is go, go talk to your neighbor. <laughs> like uh, there are a lot of people who don't even know who they live next to. I hate all of my neighbors. They are, sure. Yeah, like they are, I don't like them. Like mine. Obviously, some people are just assholes, and it's hard to get to know them. But <clears throat> yeah, I, I live in an asshole neighborhood. There are people near you. I guarantee you there are people near you who are nice enough that you can get to know them and find something in common with them. And even if it's just like, you know, cooking out on the back porch every once in a while or whatever the equivalent of that is, if you live in an apartment or like an urban setting, you know, just get to know people so that you can help each other in times of need. And, yeah. um, you know, that also facilitates trade under the table. Like a 15 year old kid mowing his elderly neighbor's lawn on a saturday or something like that yeah for like that's, 20 that's, that's i do except to it's not that's gray market agorism if he gets paid 15 dollars for it that's oh, you yeah. know 15 dollars of untaxable trade which oh, so i actually get paid more. more actually i think that's like 20 dollars per driveway i don't think that's uh i think that's legal though like i think it's over 20 dollars you have to start you know filing uh, your taxes filing in those five lawns he's still not getting taxed for it yeah. Yeah. quick so aside you, quick you aside I, yeah, checked I, the, uh, I checked the debt clock for the United States, and I have oh, the God. exact numbers for how much we're spending. So just a quick thing to scare everybody. $1.269 gets spent on Medicare and Medicaid. $1.06 trillion gets spent on Social Security. $681 billion gets spent on the defense and wars. $301 billion gets spent on income security. $291 billion gets spent on federal pensions. And $153 billion gets spent on food and agriculture subsidies. And there's about eighty six billion going to classified programs. So <laughs> that's our NSA agent spying on us right now. And the worst one there is social security. <laughs> God. Yeah, that's like yep. holy. the worst one. Social oh, Ponzi scheme. That's not even it. There's a whole section here where the hundred and thirty four billion dollars are on is labeled under waste, fraud, and abuse. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's almost just as Somebody much as food disagree. and agriculture yeah they, that much is going to and my, my econ professor the other day said that the, the federal deficit doesn't matter what wow oh, no i yeah. seen an article about that i posted it it was on a, on instagram some guy like um, i think it was paul krugman social leftist or something he literally posted an article uh, I, I don't remember his app, but he posted one saying, like, why the U.S. deficit doesn't matter. So yeah, when, Hil when it seemed thing. like Hillary was winning, Paul Krugman wrote an article that said, deficits don't matter. And then when Trump won, he wrote an article that said, deficits matter again. <laughs> <laughs> Just because big, scary orange man gets power. Yes. Bad things. Uh, things and, I liked are And that's bad. the great thing about libertarians. <sighs> we don't give a shit who's in office. People are still dying, and we're still spending money on these Ponzi schemes. See, libertarians are the real um, uh, fiscal conservatives, social well, liberals. Well, no. Well, what the word the word I'm looking for the is like libertarians are the real. We don't discriminate. We don't discriminate. We don't discriminate. We hate everybody. 
<laughs> I mean, Monty discriminates, but that that's different. Uh, that's more of a personal thing. That, yeah. yeah, that's a personal thing. It's yeah. fine. It's fine to have personal things, but like politically, we we don't discriminate. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Porter, keep going with what you were saying. Yeah. So they also, he also has. The fuck also, do we um, discriminate against? That's a women. <laughs> 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 Thank you for that timing, Monty. He discriminates against women. <laughs> so, All right. Hess anyway. also identifies the um, kind of social norms and attitudes that ended up making that neighborhood experiment uh, a failure in the end after um, five or seven years. And uh, it was mostly a reliance or a reverting, reverting to a reliance on government welfare. It was people didn't want to work. And instead, since they were in such close proximity to D.C., it was very easy to go back on, um, like, welfare from the federal government instead of actually, you know, engaging in the local production and trade and trying to make your own life better through your own hard work. And there was also a, a massive crime and theft problem. Like, people would break into other people's homes and just steal all the valuable shit in there. Wow. And uh, that's why Hess and his wife eventually moved out. Um, well, I guess we so hope for radical capitalism. We also had to... What was that? That gives me hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Hess says that we, we mostly have to eliminate that uh, ideology of dependence, basically. It's, I mean, obviously we believe in a division of labor in the market, like not total self-sufficiency, but you have to be willing to put in the work and, and earn what you get instead of just accepting it from other people um, for no reason. So... That's another social norm that we have to change in order to get closer to a libertarian society. Yeah, and that, that's yeah. a very hard one because uh, if anybody here has read some Charles Murray or like heard about what he's talked about, he has a book basically about the welfare trap, which explains why it's so hard for people to get off welfare because of how it completely distorts the incentive structure. Like his example, he, he makes an allegory. Where if the government tried to make a program to help people quit smoking, where they offer you a, I think it was like at, in the 90s, he said like a thousand dollar grant if you managed to quit smoking. And so now you have people that, yeah, they have an incentive to quit smoking. They're going to get paid. But what happens is, well, what are going to be your standards? Because you can't pay everybody who smokes to quit. Because what if they just start smoking a month ago and it's very easy for versus someone who started 10 months ago or 10 years ago. You need to set these standards. So you have to arbitrarily set a standard, but then you create this incentive for somebody to keep smoking until they get to that point. If you set it too early, then it becomes too easy for someone to go and um, to go and quit or to keep going until they quit. Because what happens is, oh, well, if you set it for six months, well, I'll just start smoking for six months and the cost of smoking is going to be outweighed by me getting that $1,000. So they have to set the standard, and then what happens is, well, now suddenly you have a lot of people who are going to pick up smoking just because they're going to get this money for this. So, and you see the same thing with welfare, where it's like, you have to set a standard, so there has to be a certain wage that you're making under to get welfare. But then what they set is too close to that wage, so why would you work extra so you can make that money when you can make a little bit less while doing nothing? So it becomes very hard for people to get off of this cycle of welfare because of the dependency that's created by the incentive structures. Yeah, they've made welfare just basically a career. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Keep you get stuck in it and it goes in a loop. 
Um, uh, something I want to build off that, even though we kind of moved away from the social norm thing, I think it's probably we probably said it most of what we could say about it. I do want to quickly say I will link two articles about social norms in the description if you're more interested in reading in detail about it. But back to the thing about welfare, I was talking with someone the other day uh, who was a communist, more of a Trotskyist, and one of the things uh, he was asking is if if everyone's needs were met, say through welfare, wouldn't that provide wouldn't that be more of a free market? Wouldn't that be more provide more incentive for people to do productive things if all their needs are met? Of course, That's kind of what Andrew Yang that. talked about too with the UBI. Yeah, yeah it's kind of what he talked about. Yang-gang. Of course, if the idea is a free market, obviously is not influenced by any unnatural thing. And of course, the government being unnatural because it's enforced, at least the state as we know it is enforced. Uh, so it's unnatural. And of course, regulation is unnatural. So as a regulation, the state is unnatural. Welfare is also unnatural. So if, but if incentive is natural, and then it's being influenced by unnatural things, then the in, the incentive to be naturally more innovative and, uh, yeah. You lost me. I, in my head, I'm making sense. I think you lost yourself yeah, too. No, yeah, he kind of does make sense though. I, it, like, it makes sense, but just the amount of times he said natural and unnatural. Just yeah. sort of mixed up in my head. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I, when I unnatural things this. mess with natural processes, bad things happen. Okay, yes, it's the same thing with synthetic drugs. You take synthetic drugs compared to the natural versions of them, you're going to get messed up. Like K two synthetic weed, that messes you up. It's worse. It's arguably worse than doesn't meth. that have rat poison? Probably, I think so. Um, but it's arguably worse than meth. I've seen people on it. It's terrifying. So you don't want to do it. I'd rather you do the natural stuff. If obviously the economy doesn't work very well, the natural free market economic system that obviously I just said occurs naturally being influenced by government and regulation, something that's unnatural, obviously has bad consequences is what we have today with all the Keynesian policies that have messed everything up with the healthcare and education and sectors. Um, So the same thing happens with welfare on an individual level. If you have that unnatural thing providing your goods, your needs, you're not going to have that natural incentive anymore. It's it's the same thing that happens on a on a large scale with the economy, and what was the other thing I gave an example of? I don't even remember at this point. I said it thirty thirty seconds ago. I don't remember. Uh, but it's, it's the same thing. With <laughs> the, the old economy. age is getting to you. It's He's already ranting. there. Um, the yeah, I'm ranting. This is what happens in my rants. I forget everything. <laughs> All the corn products, man. You're yeah, literally no, he clearly right has now. dementia. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. So we got to take you old back, old yeller style. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry, Manasia, you're spending your life in. <laughs> That'll do, Pig. That'll do. Jay, where did Menace go? He went up to the farm. <laughs> no, the farm. Not the farm. He went up to the retirement home. Like, Menace is running with the butterflies and the dogs. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, like the same thing that happens with the economy, the natural free market process being influenced by unnatural government regulations, it messes everything up. Same thing that happens on the individual level with unnatural things like welfare messing with the natural incentive process that humans have naturally. Does that make more sense than whatever mess yes. went through the first time? Yeah, okay, well, awesome. What you're describing so, what you're describing is something that um Franz Oppenheimer, uh he was a soci- sociologist uh, yeah. I love that, um, man. a century and a half ago. He described um, two means of humans satisfying their desires. One was the political means, and one was the economic means. And the the difference he distinguished was um, the political means uses force to appropriate the products of the labor of others, and and the economic means 
uses your own labor and exchanging the product of your own labor. And that's, that's a pretty simple, simple distinction, but that's exactly what you're describing. And it has, you know, different effects depending on which means you use. Shout out to anatomy of the state. <laughs> yeah. Rothbard <laughs> mentions it in there. He cites that yeah. a lot. Uh, Oppenheimer was a, a big influence on Rothbard's thought. Yeah. Um, so the moral of the story is come smoke a bowl with me. <laughs> natural, not K2, natural marijuana, not the synthetic natural stuff. Natural stuff, don't worry, don't worry. We won't be doing bath salts yet. That's for Austin. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I think it's a good point. Let's, uh, the good point to uh, cut it off. Does anyone else have anything to say before? I have a, a black pill. I'm sorry. I'm going to black pill you again, Jay. I'm sorry. Ooh. I know oh, it keeps no. happening. Ooh. Um, okay. 2024 um, debt clock prediction of national debt. Uh, being thirty trillion dollars. That's crazy numbers. Let's get them up. That is eighty-eight thousand per citizen, two hundred twenty-six thousand taxpayer. Oh, and here's the best part. So right now, the total debt, which I think isn't that just everybody's debt combined with federal debt, Probably. or is that just okay? So total debt right now is seventy-five trillion dollars. Twenty twenty-four, ninety-one oh. trillion dollars. How of total did they get debt. to seventy-five trillion? Well, I'm not sure it being like nineteen trillion years ago. Welfare spending in seventy-something trillion is like the combination of federal debt mixed in with all the other debt the United States has, both private and public. Yeah, because every state also has debt. Yeah, that's true. And then, of course, every individual—or not every individual, but a significant portion of the population has debt as well. It's basically the entire United States debt. Uh, totaling up every single municipality, state, county, whatever, town. And individual, I believe. And it, uh, yeah, probably individual as yeah. well. Yeah, still $91 trillion. Man, I, I just, come on. Just bring bring, bring the economic collapse. Just kill the dollar already. We don't need it anymore. To put that in layman's terms, we're fucked. Yeah, yeah you guys are even more screwed. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, oh, uh, oh, yeah, finish up. The only way you'd be able to fix that is go, at this point is go through Austria means, and that's that's not fun. Yeah, you, you all yeah. know what that stuff is. I assume y'all do. Yeah, sturdy. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so we're running up on an hour, man. If you want to take this, uh, shit show train out of the station. <sighs> all right, choo choo boys, let's get out of here. Uh, thank <laughs> you for everyone. Our Instagram pages will be linked in the description along with those articles I mentioned and mm-hmm. a link on Amazon because we did happen to find the book, uh, what is it, Community Technology by Carl Hess. That will yep. also be linked in the description if you're interested in reading. Uh, once again, I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Pseudo-Intellectual Insurrectioning Podcast. This has been the main host of the episode, Menace, along with Jay, uh, Monty, Porter, Peter, and of course the special, definitely special guest, uh, Aiden. <laughs> And slide into my DMs if you're a tourist who wants a child. (laughs) (laughs) All right, right, see you guys.